We've got another episode free of any coronavirus talk for you today, all recorded before any of this came down. So uh, enjoy the lack of coronavirus. Thank you for listening to the Iffy Market Podcast, brought to you by Mountaintop Data. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy. Our co-host, Carla Joe Holmes, has the, uh, has the podcast day off today. And uh, we're joined with, by Jason Rockman of Definition 6. We're going to be talking about marketing automation. Jason has almost uh, 20 years of agency experience with uh, strong emphasis on consumer brands like Home Depot, Coca-Cola, AMC Theaters, Miller, Coors. He's a classically trained ad exec who could see that top tier agencies, including the Richards Group, DDB Worldwide, and Ogilvy and Mather. Um, now, I know what you're thinking. You're saying, well, that, that sounds a lot like consumer marketing, and this is the B2B show. And I say, yes, that, that is consumer advertising, consumer marketing. But part of what Jason's going to be covering with us today, that we're going to be talking about marketing automation, but um, a big part of that is going to be kind of what we can learn as B2B marketers from the B2C side, which as much as I love B2B and like to trash B2C, we do kind of uh, take all the best practices that they, that they prove out on their side. And Jason's going to help us in the marketing automation space, seeing what the, what the consumer people are doing that maybe we should, uh, we should be taking some, some keys from. So Jason, really excited to have you on the show today to, uh, to help us B2Bers out with this marketing automation yeah, absolutely. And, and Sky, thanks for having me. And um, uh, just one quick note, I definitely have a lot of uh, direct-to-consumer uh, and B2C uh, experience, but we also do a lot of B2B as well. So I can definitely talk through you know, what lessons we've learned over the years and then also what we see some of our B2B clients doing uh, in terms of adoption of programs as they relate to uh, marketing automation. Fantastic. Hear that, guys? You can put down your phones right now and stop sending me that Twitter hate mail. Uh, <laughs> it's got B2B experience as well, and this is where my lack of prep uh, shines through. Um, I only read as deep as your B2C profile, I guess. No uh, worries. So, so a couple things to, uh, to dig into right off the bat. Um, I was stumbling through the bio there and hit Miller Coors. Yes. So one organization now, I believe, uh, through acquisitions and back in the day, um, as you and I have talked about in the, in the uh, earlier, you know, it was, it was my focus with them was on uh, putting together TV spots mm-hmm. uh, and working with creative teams uh, at the agency uh, of which I was part of to really get those messages out there. And it was back in the, the olden days of, of beer advertising, which was... Uh, a bit less sophisticated than than things are today, shall we say? Right, right. So you uh, <laughs> you kind of got um, got into the industry back in you know let's call it the the Mad Men era, more more of a Mad Men era anyway in advertising and coming up with these large campaigns for consumer brands, um, that kind of stuff. And then uh, eventually you've worked your way over to Definition Six, doing B two B and B two C, B two C and B two B stuff. Um, that pathway through through this Mad Men era esque stuff to where we are now, I'm really interested in that because it seems back then everything was a lot easier in that there were so many fewer things to do, so many fewer things to focus on, there were so many fewer channels to to prep for. You could really focus on coming up with great campaigns and great experiences and great content. And now everything is just 
so distributed everywhere. So, um, you know, you're expected yeah. to know so many different things. It does. And, and yeah, to your point, I mean, things have certainly changed over the years. Uh, you know, I, I started in this business in uh, or around 1996. And, uh, you know, my focus was on, on traditional advertising. Uh, digital really hadn't been born yet, uh, certainly not to the degree that it is today. Um, you know, and it was, when, when we talked about research and testing things, it was basically around qualitative uh, focus groups, uh, ethnographic research, uh, doing one-on-ones, or doing some surveys, and that was the concept of testing. Everything else was, let's put the message in market across TV, radio, out of home, or, or different, uh, different types of print, and, and seeing what impact it had. Uh, so certainly there's, a, there's been a, a seismic shift in the level of sophistication across marketing as a whole, and I, I really think that goes across um, uh, direct to consumer or, or, or business to consumer as well as B2B. There's just technology is, is marketing. Marketing is technology and, and everyone's playing the game of what do we know about our customers and how can we leverage that information? I feel like because the information's out there though, it's almost, you're seeing a lot in the B2B space now, people saying, hey, you got to talk to your customers. Um, guess what? You, you know, you should be getting their feedback and really building for the customer, not just the features you think are cool. Yes. And I think we're maturing in that sense, but it's almost like we're having to mature to overcome the technology because that used to be the only path. And then technology gets there. And we say, hey, we can go scrape all this information from online about people and use that. And it's basically like, so now we don't have to talk to them because we know enough about them. We know what they like on Facebook. So we don't really need to know them because we kind of social media know them. Yeah, I think it depends on where you are in the, in the um, process of fostering consumer insights. Uh, or end user insights. So, you know, when you're building a brand and initial messages associated with that brand, you're certainly going to want to talk to actual consumers or end users and get their insights. When you are fine tuning or looking to extend that brand to specific segments, and oftentimes there's, you know, there can, you, you can be working against dozens of different customer segments, it's not really cost efficient to go in and talk to each one of those segments in a, uh, I guess, uh, with a, a population that's big enough to be considered stable. So, so technology's created this arms race, basically, where we have to say, now we can segment up in all these ways, so you have to because your competitors are, but now you don't have, you, you can't go and talk to all those segments. So you have to grab what you can, but digital lets you do it. So then you end up not talking to the people. It's, I don't know. I'm wondering if the state of marketing is worse now or better due to technology. Yeah. That's a heavy question, man. And not for marketers, <laughs> for like for the customer. Is it, are we better? I know. Sorry. I'm, this is not <laughs> no, on the page. Good. I'm just kind of going on what, uh, what I think what we're better. In. I think yeah. we're better. And the, the reason why I think we're better is because Consumer or end user expectations, and I'm, I'm going to make a, a general statement across all industries, have an expectation that you as a, as a brand and as a marketer are going to provide me with information that is relevant to me. 
if you're not providing me with relevant information, I don't value you as much as your competitor that is providing me with relevant information. Competition makes things better for the consumer generally. Competition does. And we have to think about the brands that are setting customer or just just human beings expectations, right? We all spend time on Netflix, uh, in Amazon or watching Amazon uh, or, or, or even a, a news website where they are serving us information that they know based off of our past behavior is relevant or they think it's going to be relevant to us. So therefore, our expectation becomes everything that we're engaging with should be pretty relevant to me. Otherwise, I'm, I'm just filtering that out. Right. And I guess, I mean, this will work its way back around to marketing automation. So, so don't worry, people. You don't <laughs> see the thread connecting. I wasn't planning on there being a thread connecting. This is a tangent that will actually connect back to uh, marketing automation. And I guess the way that I see that happening is, so you say, yes, we are doing better job as marketers, not just at marketing the products, but we're doing a better job for the consumer. And the way we're doing that is because, sure, we're splayed out in all these different areas now. It isn't just like you can make a commercial that people are going to see when they watch MASH and they're all going to see it or something like that. And for those who are listening for the millennials, MASH is this TV show from back in the 80s about these guys at the war. And <laughs> a lot of people would watch it because he only had three channels. Because we have more information and all these different channels now, we can better target for people. We can, we can make sure that you're seeing the stuff that's suited to you. And then that creates all of its own issues, I guess, with are you creating these little uh, chambers, echo chambers for people mm -hmm. not. But ultimately, it's marketers' jobs to, to serve the commercials to the right people. Back in the day, there was three channels, and maybe they were showing three shows that had slightly different target audiences and say, you know, we have soap operas because during the day, women are at home watching these shows and they are need to buy soap to wash things. Um, so, and then you have your action show and you're going to have, you're going to advertise things that are, now we have all these different channels, all these ways of targeting people. We know so much about them. We can individually target and done properly. We can make sure that somebody sees an ad for a movie. That's the type of movie they like instead of something that they hate. Yeah. And then the consumer wins in that way, as long as we don't get too specific and only, uh, show them, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy commercials because we know they like that and they don't get exposed to anything else. It's it's better for the consumer ultimately. Yeah. And, and you know, to, to bring it around, Sky, marketing automation is a key part of that. So we're taking those insights from a multitude of different data sources, uh, some, some first party and, and some third party data sources um, to to not only understand or define the different segments and not only to send them information that we know or believe to be more relevant to them, but marketing automation allows us to be able to do that in a way that is not manual and or extremely labor intensive. And that's really one of the key areas where just marketing has evolved so significantly over the years. And that's why you see I mean, all you have to do is look at the, the growth and stock price of uh, Salesforce to see the impact that it's had on, uh, on marketing. Yeah, I remember when I started Salesforce, uh, didn't exist yet when it came around. The thought was, why would anybody put their data in this system? Nobody is going to trust their data to be online. Right. And, and that was companies' internal data. Now everybody just has everything online. 
So yeah. marketing automation really brings it together, I guess, in that it makes it possible for marketers to do all this without just being up 24 seven, doing individual one-off campaigns for each person in their database. Um, when you have the data now, you can splay it out within an automation system to provide that, that hyper-targeted content to, to the audience, again, without having to have a massive one-to-one -one marketing team to uh, audience relationship or, or, or something. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it also allows us to really think through what the overall customer journey is. And again, this can be for, you know, if, if you're a manufacturer of a, uh, a, a beverage or a manufacturer of cardboard boxes, you're thinking through what's that journey that my customer is going through and what, is, what does conversion look like for me? Is conversion getting someone to sign up for an email, a newsletter, or is conversion actually someone purchasing from me online? And then, right. you know, marketing automation allows us to go in and put together campaigns and help people move through their journey, right? So we're, we're hitting them, we're exposing them to meaningful messages as they move through that journey and we can measure the impact that each one of those messages has across each one of the channels to determine right. which channel and which message or, or, or content type is most effective at moving someone to that next step. And that's really, I mean, that's where things have evolved to or are evolving to right now. And we're really at a point where some people are really, really good at it. And some people are still figuring out how to, how to make that happen on an ongoing basis. So that's where the next level of sophistication comes in. Um, and that's something that we, we focus on. And as an agency, we help organizations get really crisp on how best to, to manage the digital ecosystem and turn it into uh, an omni-channel program that right. really works to connect their customers. So I kind of took us off track right off the bat. You brought it back a little <laughs> Um, we haven't even really introduced definition six. Can you, can you give me a quick rundown on what you guys do over there and, and also what your, what your role is, what you do within definition six? Sure. So, uh, Jason Rockman, I'm the president of definition six and in a, in a nutshell, we help organizations with digital and content transformations, meaning we can help them select the right technologies or evaluate the technologies that they have to help them put together a program that enables them to connect with their consumers in a frictionless ongoing way. And then also helping them to understand what their current content marketing practice looks like today, what's good and what's neutral and or bad and how best to recreate that program or create that program to help improve their overall marketing performance and drive growth within their organization. So as, as part of that, you know, we, we burn up about eight to 10,000 development hours per month, i.e. People, people developing code and actually building things. We send out, uh, gosh, close to 3 billion emails a year. Uh, we produce about 2,500 pieces of content every month. And our analytics team uh, is what I consider to be, to be best in class. We really do um, just about everything except for paid media um, in, in a large scale. We can do uh, smaller buys here and there to help out uh, clients on our PR side, but for the most part, uh, we're focused on technology and content. Fantastic. Can you give me one 
little example of, uh, by just a short example, I mean, of uh, maybe the thing that's either your bread and butter or you, you see you guys do the best. So that I, I imagine some listeners uh, are listening and saying, okay, but still exactly what do they do? Um, and, and some understand completely, but can you give a, just one hard example of, of, you know, client came to us and we did this, this, and this. Yeah. So one of the, one of the things that I, I believe is, is pretty differentiating about us is that we work with organizations that know they need to make a significant investment in technology, for example. So we'll go in, work with them to actually help them build out the business case. Uh, and uh, quick side note, the numbers I'm going to use are completely arbitrary. So if an organization knows, or we come to the table with a recommendation for a, an organization uh, where we're recommending they spend $5 million to build out their marketing technology stack. We'll work with them to, to help them understand and, and formally articulate that investment and the impact that that investment is going to have across in-store performance, online, on-site performance, their website, across email, across mobile, across SMS, anywhere where there's revenue tied to a channel, we'll work through to forecast so that we build out not only a roadmap to get all of the work done, but we're building out what that investment forecast looks like and that incremental revenue forecast looks like. So we're showing or demonstrating for uh, executive committees, uh, for the C-suite, when they're going to get to that break-even point on their investment and then really start right. to see that upside. So you're saying, hey, this is going to cost a lot, but here's when it starts. Here's how long you can expect uh, your, uh, this to take to start showing, and then here's what's going to happen. Would you say your, your best customers in that sense then would be people that are behind the times and are looking to catch up in the technology, marketing technology area? It really depends. Um, it can be individuals that have made that initial investment and for some, some reason or another have just not been able to get their, get their marketing program as it relates to marketing automation and CRM up to where it needs to be. Uh, so we get, right. we get pulled in, you know, oftentimes someone will say, look, we're, we're writing big checks every year and we're not seeing the return. I need a partner to come in and help us put together the plan and, and help us execute the plan to be able to see that return. Or we get pulled in when an organization knows they have a, a legacy system in place, they've bought a couple of tools, none of the tools are really working together. How do we make that happen? Can you guys come in and help us? And I think the working together is key. This is something I see a lot of, and it's starting to get better, but people have all these tools they like, and there's all this power and all these things you can do, but then there's this massive pain of, the tools speak to each other and yeah. you have all these different channels and you're like, well, now we have to take all this data from here and then we need a translation going on probably through an Excel spreadsheet to push it into here and into there and into there. And you just end up having a lot of marketing activities not happen because, you know, it, it's not automated, but even before not automated, the systems aren't talking to each other. The CRM doesn't talk to the email delivery, doesn't talk to the, you know, every part of their channel they just aren't, don't speak to each other. And so there's all this time and energy with marketers who want to be creating campaigns and reaching out to customers and coming up with good messaging and stories. And instead they're trying to translate and transfer data between systems. 
Yeah. And there's, there's a lot there in what you just said. So there's absolutely putting all the pieces together so that they work and, and helping organizations build out the concept of a, of a connected customer experience and a, a, a 360 view of how your customers interacting with your brand across all channels. There's also helping organizations to understand um, how to leverage the data that they have at their fingertips. Um, and certainly I'm, I'm right, assuming right. You're, you, you see this quite often as well, where organizations have a lot of data or they can append the data that they have to open up a whole new world. But how do I, how do I change the culture of our organization to think in terms of how best to leverage data and analytics to move the business forward? Right. I think without those systems talking to each other, and this is an area that I just have a lot of um, I, mental momentum around. I, I think about yeah. this all the time and it angers me and excites me depending on what's going on in the space. But uh, once those systems can talk to each other, then you can actually use that data. I feel like a lot of marketers, maybe it's all there, but it just goes unused because to, to transfer it and translate it from one space to the next is it's, it's not what they're trained to do. It's not what they want to do. There's just so much loss there. It's, uh, it frustrates me constantly, constantly. I think, so marketing automation comes in and you guys come in and connect and you probably have marketers breaking down in front of you, front of you saying, you can make this go there. Oh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> thank and a, a, a lot of organizations have a hard time. I, I mean, everybody, again, another, another general statement, everybody's focused on keeping the lights on. Right. Right. And that's, let's, let's not, let's not breeze over that. That's a big, that's a, a big task. It's an um, important first step. Yeah, it, it is because, you know, technology is, technology is tough. Technology breaks. Um, technology has bugs that pop up and, and no one knows why. And you have to spend time going in and figuring out what, what somebody either sitting next to you or sitting 3000 miles away from you did in the platform that's now causing this chain reaction. So, yeah. so there's, it's one thing to keep the lights on and it's a, it's an entirely different thing to invest the money to evolve and push the performance of the, of the program that you have in place. And that, that's where the, the challenge comes in, unless you have somebody that can sit down at the table with you and really map out, here's what you have. Here's, here's based off of the conversations we've had, here's where you want to go. This is what it's going to take to get there, but this is the upside. Right. Um, so marketing automation is the hard part. We've had people come on before and talk about it. I'm going to give an attempt at a, at a succinct definition here. Yeah. And then uh, correct me. I'm by no means an, an expert in this area, but as I see marketing automation, it's just like it sounds automating your marketing processes um, typically things like email cadences, um, flows of information in and out of the CRM to trigger automatic activities. It could be a physical mail send based on, on set um, statuses in your CRM or people's position in the pipeline, whatever it is. Email sends, emails triggering, starting, stopping, information being sent to salespeople for specific types of follow-up. All that kind of stuff basically happening automatically instead of a marketer having to pour over spreadsheets and grab them individually or in chunks and send them here and there. Would that be a good kind of hands-on? Uh... <laughs> I think so. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is definitely the idea. 
Um, and, uh, you know, within the B2B space, it, it takes on uh, a, a different role, I, I think, you know, where, where we see marketing automation on the B2B side. And, and again, our, our clients in the B2B space are, um, are larger industrial slash manufacturing organizations that, that do anywhere from, you know, a billion dollars a year to $12 billion a year. Um, and, and those folks are, you know, some of them are, um, some of them are, are still in the very beginning stages of giving it, getting it set up. Um, or some of them have, uh, you know, in air quotes, marketing automation, or at least automated sends via email or, or text slash SMS where, you know, saying, Hey, thank you for paying your invoice or, or sending the invoice in an automated manner. And then anybody who sets, up. right. Anybody who's had that process where the, somebody signs up or something online and, and they get uh, an email automatically saying, thank you. If you don't have that automated, then you realize how much the automation is worth. Oh, for sure. <laughs> if every time somebody fills out a form on your site, you have to manually respond saying, we got your message. Thanks. We'll get back to you soon. That's going to employ a lot of people uh, unnecessarily and cause a lot of heartache. Yeah. And the reality is you can't do it right for right. Any, any sizable business. You just can't do it. And to, to your point, you know, it's, it's not just one send it's what's our, what does our welcome series look like? How are we, how are we thanking someone for connecting with us for, for them giving us their email address or, or taking some action? And then how are we leveraging that to say thank you and to inform them of everything that we do or how best they can utilize our services? Right. And then it's a series of if, if thens from there, I guess, yep. out to as small or large an extent as somebody wants. I mean, you could call it automation to say you sign up for our newsletter and now you're added to it and you receive a thank you and every month or every however often it is you receive the newsletter. But it could also be a whole series of activities interacting with both marketing and sales across physical events, physical mail, email, phone calls social media, everywhere you could imagine can be kind of built into these if then triggers. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the, you know, that's the omni channel approach. And the hard part with that is being able to pull all of that information together and have it interacting with each other. That's, that's the sweet spot. And that's the technology you were talking about, right? Where you have all these, the tech stack that isn't so much a stack as a bunch of little islands. Yeah, exactly. But it's all interconnected. And then there is that, that formalized hub that's, mm -hmm. that's aggregating all the data, all the different behaviors and, and interactions to help inform a system to engage with uh, a consumer or an end user in an automated way to help I always, achieve I, business goals and objectives. I always think of that as the CRM, but, but I guess I wouldn't say correct me if I'm wrong, just correct me. Um, I, I think when, when I talk to marketing automation people, frequently the CRM is one on one of those spokes of the hub. It's not the hub itself. There's more of a marketing automation system that may communicate with the CRM, but houses just much more and, and interacts with everything else. Yeah. So uh, there's a, there's a, a lot of different ways to, to skin that cat. Um, you know, there can be, it can be a hub and spoke system or, or that those same data instances can be shared across multiple properties. Uh, but generally what we see is there's a um, there's one centralized location that is housing 
and then other other platforms are pulling information or extracting information out of that centralized hub. Right, so you may have Salesforce as your CRM, but you can have Marketo handling your marketing automation and stuff feeding into there and and. Oh. Yep, and then an Adobe uh, tool managing your uh, programmatic advertising activities and so on right. and so forth, right? And then there's another platform that's going to be managing any loyalty programs or anything related to loyalty. So there's there's just a lot out there. So it was probably at least a year ago the last time we had somebody specifically talking about marketing automation on the show. Um, how much has marketing automation changed in the last couple of years as far as the simplicity goes? I remember our last guest talking about this was saying, hey, beware, this is not a push the button and it's automated solution. It's more work to do to set up automation than to do it manually initially. Like it's, it's depending on the size of your organization maybe, but it's not easy to set up and manage marketing automation. It's, it's a great thing when you do it and do it right. Has it gotten simpler? In, in general terms, I think it, I think the platforms have gotten simpler from an interface perspective, meaning, uh, you know, I'll use Salesforce again as the example, you know, the interface within Salesforce marketing cloud has, has greatly improved over the years. Um, the reality is, uh, you know, it's, it's always been really good. That was one of the things that differentiated them. Um, but I, I think it has gotten simple. The, the challenge that still remains or the, the primary barrier or speed bump with, with most marketing automation programs is getting the data that you need to really execute on the program. Uh, because, you know, uh, for us, nine times out of 10, you're dealing with a, a legacy CRM system or, or, a, a data architecture or, or infrastructure that is extremely fragmented and is a, is a bit of a, a patchwork of different systems of record that, you know, two people in the organization really understand how things are interacting with each other. And one of those people may have just retired. And, and one of them may have just retired, right? So there's still, uh, there's still a lot of that. And they're at all sized organizations. You would be, I'm still surprised at, you know, organizations that we, that we talk with that are, I mean, these are, these are companies that are doing, you know, billions of dollars in gross rev a year and, um, and their back ends are challenged. But it's a lot easier to set up automation in a small shop, right? Yes. There's just absolutely. so much less. A large organization is such a large ship to turn, such a big thing to program. You, it's it's going to, they're probably going to resist doing that large, large change for a lot longer. So I, I would guess the larger companies probably have less marketing automation going on than kind of small to mid-sized ones, just because one for them, it costs so much to make the shift and they really need to make sure that they should be doing it, that this isn't a fad or something and that the technology is ready because for them, something automates in the wrong direction. You know, you're talking a billion dollars, not a couple yeah. of minutes. Yeah, and what am I really going to get out of the investment? And am I, am, am I going to see that investment this year, or am I going to see it over the course of the next three years? Right. And so how many move can be a good thing sometimes? I sure, mean, they move yeah, slow on, for a good reason sometimes. Yeah, and how many companies are really willing uh, or ready to make that move and make that investment? Oftentimes, you know, 
the the catalyst is they see one of their competitors uh, starting to make the move and they realize, all right, we need to act or we're going to get left behind. Yeah, competition, once again, drives uh, drives change in a positive way. With that, yeah. never in, I mean, if you were the only company in a space, you would never implement the, why implement anything? Without competition, there is no change. Yeah, and different industries certainly have a different level of sophistication. I mean, you look at, um, let's use uh, transportation or logistics, trucking, as an example. You've got, you've got very small regional players in that business where they're fine relying on phone calls and faxes, right? But then you've got, you've got larger global players in that space that everything is, everything is digital. And at a small enough scale, you don't even need processes, but then as you, right. Yeah. Yeah. I want to take a really quick break here. Sorry. We're, everything's just flying along. So, so fast. Sure. Please come back. I will, uh, I want to ask you about some small things people can do to get their feet wet in marketing automation. And if you can even do that, or if you have to jump in head first. Uh, so we are talking today with Jason Rockman. He's the president of Definition 6. And uh, we're talking about marketing automation. We'll be right back on the Market Podcast. Is your data company ignoring and gouging you or gouging and ignoring you? Those are the main reasons our customers move from the previous list provider, Mountaintop Data's top data search platform. What's top data search? Well, with top data search, you can search our database of 20 million plus business contacts and download lists with complete contact information. It's a convenient tool for both sales and marketing departments to get accurate lists. It's free to have an account. There's no annual contracts, no seat fees. Top Data Search is just easy access to accurate data. And when you reach out to us with questions, we actually give you answers. Visit topdatasearch.com and sign up for a free account with the coupon code IYM300 and get 300 free credits. Or if you're just curious, go to topdatasearch.com and run some searches on our open search tool, no account needed, by clicking the search now button. That's at topdatasearch.com. Welcome back to the If You Market podcast. We are speaking with Jason Bachman of uh, Definition 6 about marketing automation. Jason, uh, before the break, I had mentioned something that people can do to get started in marketing automation, if that's even possible. Can you, uh, can you address that for me? Yeah, I mean, f- for me, the, the, a natural starting place is looking at the systems and process that you have in place and identifying something that is, um, what, is a, what is a highly repeatable communication that you right. have going out? So is it a, uh, are you an organization that makes it a point to wish all of your customers a happy birthday on their birthday? Do you send them a physical card? How do you automate that? How do you put a system in place where, where a direct mail fulfillment house is sending something out for you? Uh, right. How do you put together an email for your internal communications team to wish employees happy birthday? It can start as small as that. Are you emailing out invoices? So test it on your employees. That way, if you mess up, uh, your customers don't you, Happy yeah, birthday, I mean, employee, and can. then uh, if that runs smooth, then you can roll the same thing out for your customers. Yeah. It means you've got to have your customers' birthdays, right? You it does. That data in the system. Should they maybe, let's say they don't have a birthday, should they look into their system and say, what data do we have that we can 
that we can automate. And maybe it's, you know, for 10% of our customers or prospects, we know this. And um, that would say, hopefully you have more deeper information on somebody. But if you don't have much in your system, you can at least say, we're going to send out an email a month to our, to our newsletter. And what we're going to do is send everybody this generic newsletter, but the people that we know this information on in our system, we know they're in this industry or this size company, whatever it is, just for those people, we're going to send out this other version. Um, maybe it's the same newsletter with, but with a different subject line, even just a slight change based on the information, whatever it is that you know about, about these people. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, you know, the, the sort of behind the curtain of your, of your question or, or comment sky is the fact that, you know, a lot of organizations have, have, uh, data or data sets that are, that lack hygiene, right? They're dirty. Um, so they have information, it's old information. They're not sure what's good, what's bad and, and what's ugly, or they just know that it's, it's a little ugly right now and it needs to be cleaned up. So let me do a quick, uh, <laughs> let me do a quick, what do you, what do you call those things? The, the, um, promotion or <laughs> I'll try to make it not a promotion. What, uh, what's a customer's customer, uh, not a customer. Uh, when you do an announcement, the, the government does an announcement like, Hey, uh, a, a public service announcement, a public service announcement. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> can't, I can't come up with public service. Announcement. We got there. A, a quick public service announcement from, uh, from mountaintop data. So it'll be a bit of a promotion too. It goes something like this. Uh, hey, marketers, we know you want to add the first name to all your emails, but maybe you should check that field and sort it first. If you have a lot of people whose first name is question mark, not the best idea. Make sure your data is complete before you automate it into a campaign. Yeah, that's... That would be my public service announcement. Yeah. People want to do this, but they don't look at the data first and they end up throwing in a lot of nulls or remove or some other weird thing because the information they have is garbage. Yeah, make sure if you're going to automate, I guess, like form fill style stuff, that the, the data is good first. Am I getting off track here and talking more about the targeting and segmentation than the automation, though? Yeah, I mean, you 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 can't have um, you can't have automation without clean data. You can't have a successful program without clean data. Uh, so so it's either making the commitment to go through and clean up your, your data set or a data set that you think you can use. Um, I'm, I'm a big proponent of don't let perfection stand in the way of progress. So mm -hmm. even if it's a smaller data set that you can act on while another team is focused on a much larger data project or data aggregation project, just start. Right. The, the concept of do something general for the people you don't know and the people you know you have this accurate information for, then plug in just for them. Absolutely. The enemy of, uh, of what the good is the, is the perfect or something like that. Yeah. Type of a thing. So, but I, I guess what I'm getting to is that the cleanest data you can possibly have is, is actual activity. So rather than saying, hey, we're going to plug in this information from our, our – um, from our CRM, maybe you want to say, let's automate this activity. When somebody hits our website and we can see this company hit our site and they have these statuses in our CRM, then we can send this email to them. Um, something like that, because then the, the data you're really relying on is the live activity, not something that's been sitting in your CRM for, you know, for six years. 
Yeah, I mean that's that's a that's a big one, right? And then really understanding what's the since since you mentioned website, what's the objective or goal of our website? If someone comes, what do we want them to do? If you're serious about marketing automation, you want them to uh, you want them to to give you your your their email, right? You want that email, uh, but what are you going to give them? in return for that email, right? Are you going to give them information on upcoming promotions? Are you going to keep them up to speed on industry trends? You have to be able to show some value with, with, with data and, and marketing today and, and more and more brands wanting more customer information. Brands need to understand that this is a value exchange. And it right. doesn't now We're kind of getting over to content now. I'm sure. Hey, like, submit your information to this survey and we will give you the results of the survey type of an exchange. Right. This for us, we'll do this for you. Sign up for the newsletter is only if they find your content, the newsletter is, has some value. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, once you've got one piece of information from them, either that's net new or, or that you've had uh, in your system, you know, you start to build out that profile. And once you can build out a profile, for, uh, for a, a specific population uh, of your customer set, that's, that's where you start your marketing automation, ideally. Right, okay, can you give us some, uh, some things to do and not do? What, like, what are the biggest things to make sure you, probably avoid is always a popular one, but uh, yeah. great things to make sure people are doing as well. You know, one of the key things, and this is uh, just important, I can't overstate the importance of this. Don't ask for something from your customer unless you're going to use it. So um, don't have your customer fill out a 12 field form with a bunch, bunch of information and then not do anything with it. But you might want it later. Why? Come on. <laughs> right. You, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And, and along those lines, if, if someone within an organization is um, uh, has put their foot down and said, "No, I want I want twelve fields. We need to fill that out," then I think it's on on marketers and uh, and savvy technologists to really understand where where data can be pulled in and auto populated into those fields and confirmed. So that the technology and the brand is doing the work and not the customer or the end user. Right. I'd say I know uh, my company, Mountaintop Data, we do that for some clients where they say, we want to ask as little as po possible when people fill out a form for a webinar because they yep. know every field you ask for is an additional hoop that they might not jump through. Every keystroke matters. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll say, well, <laughs> if they just send my email, then okay, I'll, 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 maybe I'll attend the webinar, maybe I won't. But if I need to, if I have two pages of stuff, I got to fill out a survey here. It's not worth that much. No way. Like, <laughs> no way. And you can test this, like do, do varying amounts of fields and you will see, oh, the shorter the form is, the more people are going to fill it out. You say, well, absolutely. If you want it. Why wouldn't they fill it out? We're talking about humans here. If you say, why wouldn't they, or why don't they, you're, you're asking the wrong question. It doesn't yeah. matter why they do or don't. If they don't, they don't. Do you want them to sign up or not? Yeah. The, um, the, the second thing in terms of do's and don'ts, I can't overstate the importance, uh, again, overstating the importance of, of making sure that you are um, tracking and reporting out the performance of your efforts. 
you will never be able to grow your, your marketing automation program unless you are uh, in a very disciplined way uh, reporting out on the performance of your efforts. Um, if you're going to be testing things, which, um, which you should be testing things, you should be testing just about everything if, if there's a specific sales goal attached to your, to your efforts. You have In the webinar sign up example, have two webinar landing pages, one with five questions, one with two, and see which gets the best result. Absolutely. And, and then report out to senior leadership, here's what we did, here's why we did it, and here's what we learned. So these are the actions we're going to be taking moving forward. And this is the next test that we're running, all to help us get to this point of achieving this level of performance. So a lot of marketers hear that and they think, okay, great. I'm going to be receiving signups or form fills, and I'm going to need to take all those and turn them into a report and push them out. What are the best tools to use so that those reports aren't things that a marketer has to pull together, but just export? Yeah, I mean, uh, just about every marketing automation platform has their own dashboards in it. Uh, where things get more challenging is when you are um, – looking at looking at an omni-channel omni-channel performance so this is what mobile's doing for us this is the site this is in store then you're going to have to be uh, in a position where you're either hiring an agency uh, or or you've got people internally that can create those custom dashboards uh, through a through a business intelligence tool uh, but i i uh, again, the most important thing and, and one of the things where we see people fall down is they just didn't get the reporting cadence or that, that system and, and process in place and they don't know what they've been doing or they know what they've been doing, but they don't know why they've been doing it and to what, what effect. So if you automate it and you don't check if you aren't taking reports and checking them out, you're, you're basically doing Mickey Mouse from, uh, was it Camtasia? Um, yeah. Where, where or, or Fantasia, Camtasia. Yeah, I know what you meant. Fantasia, where it can go nuts and you're not even there. You won't know it. Like you right. don't know that something's failing. It, it could be great. It should be great. But something was off on the subject line of the, who knows what it was, but something was needs to be tweaked. Right. Only, and since you've automated it, it's running on its own and could be wreaking havoc if you're not checking that stuff. Correct. And you constantly have to be auditing the, the programs that you're putting in place. Again, I think our conversation started off, look, it's technology, things break, there are bugs. Um, this, is right. not, this is not set it and forget it. Not and even break the bugs. Sometimes people say like, oh, this, yeah. this button says it's going to do this. Doesn't mean it's actually going to do that. It, there may be a bug in the program. So Absolutely. The biggest problems when people are saying like, it's, I, yes, I told it to do this. This is what it's supposed to be. This is what it's doing. Not supposed to be, but this is what it's doing. Say, did you check? Because we checked and it's not doing that. There right. appears to be a problem in the program. I know you said to send out the email campaign at this time, but it turns out the program does everything in the Eastern Standard Time. Not in the, doesn't matter what time you set into it. You said right. it's out 9 a.m. Pacific time for Pacific time, there's a bug in the program. It's not doing that. So if you're not checking the stats to, to see that the stuff's actually doing what it's supposed to, yeah, you, again, you end up with just things running amok in an automated fashion. Or, or just not running at all and something breaks, you know, a, a data feed from another 
data source uh, breaks or someone flags something that they shouldn't flag and it's not coming in. And then, you know, millions of dollars are lost because we know right. we stopped sending out, uh, for example, an email that generates X, X amount of dollars per month. And that's been broken for four months. Or your signup information email. Like, are people getting the, the, when they sign up for your platform, are, are they getting their username and password? Uh, yeah, they are. Did you check? No. Oh, right. Oops, there was a typo in there. They're not. Yeah, um, there's, it's, it's tough, right? So you, you have to be on your, your program. Nothing is set it and forget it. And, um, and you have to be measuring and tracking your efforts. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to build out your program. It's, so it it's allows, impossible. No one's going to continue to write checks uh, unless they know that something's working. Right. It allows you to be the conductor of all these activities that can be automated, but it doesn't mean you can walk away from it. You have to be there Correct. constantly tweaking and adjusting it and, and whatnot. And you should want that because the day the system can do that without you, you need to find another occupation. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a good thing that you're needed to be looking at it uh, all the time. Also yeah. Thing that you don't have to do all those little activities yourself. You can get much more targeted with your audience because you can automate it. Um, all that kind of wonderful stuff. Um, well, this has been, this has been fantastic. Jason, is there anything that, that we're missing here um, that we'd like to get to that, uh, that we've skipped over on you when it comes to marketing automation? No, you know, the, the, the only thing that I can say about uh, marketing automation that we haven't touched on is, you know, there's, there's a lot of tools out there that are at varying degrees of sophistication and varying degrees of cost. So regardless of the size of your organization, there's a tool out there that, that may be right for you. I would also say, you know, there's a ton of data out there um, that shows that this works. If your organization isn't, uh, isn't ready to invest in this, then, uh, I, I mean, I, I really feel like they should be. And, nice. and there's a story to be told there. So you can get everything from a massive sales force connected with Marketo and Pardot and all these other systems and Adobe systems and all these systems working together or, you can go as simple as saying, we're going to use Calendly to have a link so people can schedule onto a, a single calendar and it's got, it automatically is going to send this and send that and everything's set up. So Right. Or doing everything through Zoho is a, is a cost efficient right. program. I, I think that's out there. And yeah, there's a lot of programs out there. MailChimp um, has a pretty compelling offering and, and they're investing, I believe, a lot in research and development to expand their, their offering. There's just a lot of stuff out there. Um, it's I know uh, HubSpot just bought a company that's uh, yeah. improving what it, can, what it can do for you. I guess I'd say behind my head on the wall here, I have the uh, last year's MarTech chart. And there's so many technologies that do many, so, so many things. To bring it around, this is a big thing that your company helps people with, right? Setting up their technology stack. It is, yeah. And, and, and we... We are a, a technology and platform agnostic shop, so I'm not reselling any product for anyone. Um, our sole goal is to, to go in and help organizations to build out, uh, build out programs that drive their business forward. And if, if we're successful in doing that, they'll help us be successful. Um, 
So it, it's yeah. worth it's worth having the conversation and figuring out what's right for you and your organizations and what what group of tools and platforms are really right for your size and and your level of uh, your your appetite for investment and really you know how aggressive are your goals and and what level of functionality is required to meet those goals. What um, I imagine really small companies there's a handful of things they can set up out there. They're probably not going to come and work with you guys and uh, you know, consult with you on what their stack is, but at what size would a company be looking to, to talk to you guys? At what size does it make sense typically for them to, to uh, come on board with you? Yeah. A lot of the organizations that we, um, that we work with on the, uh, on the B2B side are, are generating revenue uh, north of $500 million. And up, and again, I think I mentioned earlier. You know, our our largest B two B clients domestically are doing, uh, you know, uh, ten to twelve billion a year. Um, so that's really the size for us. That said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn, and if somebody has a quick question, uh, they can feel free to to connect with me, and and I'll get back to them as soon as I can. Perfect translation. Transition. Uh... Nobody's going to believe I haven't been drinking today. I keep slipping. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a great transition into, uh, yeah, if anybody wants to, to reach out to, uh, to Jason, Jason Rockman of Definition 6. You can find him on LinkedIn. Of course, the website is definition6.com. You can, uh, you can find the show notes on this show on ifyoumarket.com. And, uh, yeah, on behalf of the, uh, the If You Market podcast, and uh, Carla Jo Helms, she's out today, but we'll keep her in there. And Jason Rockman of Definition. See, there I go again. It's tough. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to blame it on you. It's a, That's it's fine. a tongue twister. Jason Rockman <laughs> of Definition 6. Thank you for listening to the Ify Market Podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it with marketing automation, it will come. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.